This is the Fedora Chronicles radio show for April 20th, 2020. Dreams from when we were frivolous. In part one of the conversation that was recorded on April 16th, 2020, Jason Cousineau and I, Eric Runder King Fisk, tackle what it means to be an artist and a content creator and dealing with negative comments from trolls. How do you cope with bullying and criticism in the age of social media while maintaining your positive energy to keep working and creating. Also, how are people rethinking celebrities who are famous for being famous, and what does it really mean to be essential in this new reality? Will the meaning of life change once life returns to normal? And are we rethinking what's really important? And also, as a side note, what's in your go bag? This is the Fedora Chronicles radio show for April 20th, 2020. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Well, first of all, I wanted to wish our, our new follower on Instagram, and I can only assume um, on iTunes, Google Play, or whatever she has, I want to wish Nancy a happy birthday. I'm not sure what day her birthday was. I think it was on the 13th, but I wanted to wish Nancy a happy birthday. Thanks for listening to the podcast um, and enjoy the show. Happy birthday, Nancy. Um, so something had had really sort of touched my heart last night. Um, there's a, uh, a kid on TikTok, and I didn't even realize what TikTok is until I downloaded. That's how old I am. Um, <laughs> dude, dude, dude. Yeah. Dude, no, just no. Just no. <laughs> Don't go there. Because I saw this. Talk about, all right, what did, what did these kids do? What did these kids do? So, so this kid, Andrew Curtis, put up this video on TikTok. And people were pouring all this hate on him on Twitter because he did this. He's a theater kid and he did this, this. Uh, performance art i don't know what the hell you call it it's this kid does videos of himself doing impressions on tiktok in the comfort of his own bedroom and a a couple of other places as well and he did this one video of this overly exaggerated cartoonish character who like turns himself into a wolf and it, it it's not my thing and you can tell that you can tell that he's a theater kid because all of his movements and all of his facial expressions are super hyper exaggerated so the people in the balcony can actually like see his performance and i don't mean that in a bad way um he's talented he's he 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 has a natural talent for doing impressions, doing voices and stuff like that. He reminds me of what Jim Carrey must have been like in his freshman year of high school. And I'm not into furries. I'm not into uh, Pokemon. I'm not into anime. uh, I'm not into that over-exaggerated MAGA. um, um, Manga. Manga. MAGA is completely different. Okay. Is this this one of those those things where it's like, is that an accidental? Well, MAGA... MAGA is, it's a, it's a mispronunciation on your part. Okay. MAGA is Make America Great Again. And oh, okay. MANGA is a Japanese, it's a style of anime. Right. And, I, and what I have Lots seen, what I have seen of anime is that all of the facial expressions seem to be over hyper exaggerated. It, it, yeah. It, it, yeah. And this kid has that down packed in 
in real life. And he did this one video of this cartoonish character transforming into a wolf. And I thought, A, that's really talented. But I can also understand why people thought it was annoying because there was there was an aspect of it that was a little cringeworthy because it was so hyper exaggerated, as it were. And what really upset me is that all of these people, these strangers, were picking on this kid because he did this thing. He put himself out there for people to watch and enjoy. And the amount of hate that this guy got from people on Twitter was shocking and sad. And and I know that feeling because, look, our podcast is not for everybody, okay? Basically, this is a podcast that Jay and I do because we like doing this podcast. First and foremost, we have yeah. we have literally dozens of listeners all over the world and people enjoy what it is that we do. But we un- understand not everybody is going to like our podcast and you don't have to listen to our podcast. You don't have to watch Andrew Curtis on TikTok. You can just scroll on by and and, and move on with the rest of your life. W- what upsets me is that when people do it to me and when they do it to other people, they try and discourage other people from doing something that's new and different because they don't like it. Since I don't like what you do, you need to stop what you are doing and you need to grow up and you need to, you need to become a man. Um, which is bullshit. Which is bullshit. The whole thing, it's basically kids are picking on the theater nerd. Not just kids. basically no. what this entire thing right. boils it's not, it, down it's not to, the, really. It's not just that. Like grown, mature adults are picking on this kid. Well, hold on, hold on. No, I think I, you're overestimating the adults. I wouldn't say mature. Okay. All right. I, I maybe I'm being a little bit too generous in my description. But I would I would think you are. But immature adults over the age of 20 adults in the 20s and 30s, maybe even 40s picking on this kid for doing something that was like granted it, it, it this one video of his or two video of his, videos of his are a little annoying it's not my thing but i understand what he's trying to do he's trying to do well besides that the thing people need to remember is jim carrey was that kid when he was in high school yeah you know i mean granted jim carrey's kind of gone off his rocker now but the point is is that all of the people that you like seeing in movies they were that kid in high school they were not you right any of you bullies that are out there, all of the people you like seeing on the big screen, the vast majority of them have more in common with that kid yeah. than they do with the people picking on them. Yeah. And I admit the kid was a little over exaggerated, a little over the top. And I understand why some people didn't like two of his videos. I understand that. That doesn't mean that you have to destroy this kid and threaten him with death and say you should kill yourself. That's not fair. And that's not that's not right. See, now that cy- that level of cyberbullying, anyone who says you should kill yourself I think if the kid kills himself, should be charged with involuntary manslaughter. Yeah. I mean, you're taking people at their most vulnerable stage in life. They're doing something that is very um, personal. They're doing something that is very against the grain. They're taking a chance. They're They're being unique in a world where we're trying to reinforce conformity for whatever stupid reason. And you're telling them they should kill themselves at the most vulnerable point in their lives. Yeah. That if sucks. you had hundreds of people online, nameless, faceless people online, when you were in high school at your worst, telling you to kill yourself, what would you do? I would. I would. Well, I'd turn off the fucking internet and not right, tune in again. Is right. What I'd do. But right. But if this is something. Other people 
yeah. other people who are on the border anyway are going to be like, well, everyone else thinks I should kill myself. And, you know, no matter what I do, no one likes me. No one likes what I'm doing. No one, you know, is this the kind of life I'm going to have for the rest of my life? I can understand the spiral of depression. I can. That would result in someone killing themselves. And if you're an adult and you're telling a child that they should kill themselves because they did something you don't like on fucking TikTok, which, by the way, was never intended for adults. Oh, really? Okay. TikTok was, yeah, TikTok was intended for younger people. And when I say younger people, I don't really mean like young children, but like, you know, the tweens age is really what TikTok was intended for, if I remember the business model correctly. So why the hell are you using that app anyway? Most of the people on there are underage. A lot of them are doing things that are sexually provocative. So if you're telling a kid yeah. on TikTok that, you know, he should kill himself. Yeah. It's because you're a closet pedophile and don't want to admit it. Um, How's that for an unpopular opinion? I don't get a few nasty emails about that. <laughs> yeah. Like most of his videos that I'm scrolling through right now have more than 100,000 views on them. Like he has, he has a serious following. He has a following I envy. <laughs> I I would love to have that kind of a following. Um, right, and, and there's people out there telling him to kill himself. He, what, he, are they jealous? He has is this some sort. Of, he, yeah, go ahead. He, he has literally hundreds of thousands of people watching his videos, and then he has a handful of maybe a few hundred people telling him on Twitter. He, you know, his this video sucks. Now, unfortunately, yeah, well, he's not. Video look like he's not. He's not going to be. Um, if he's smart, he should focus on the hundreds of thousands of people who have already watched his videos. Right. Yeah. And if he's got that many people viewing his videos, he, whether by positive determination or by just, um, hey, you know, not everyone's going to like what I do. Right. Experience. He's going, he's probably going to. It sounds like this kid is not. He doesn't sound like he's a vulnerable little fragile egg. Right. If you've well, got that many followers, you're used to putting yourself out there and you can deal with people right. saying, I don't like you. I hope he does. I, I, I hope that he, you know, I hope that he, um, sweet Jesus. It's like one of the things that, one of the things that he had said, and it was like, I'm just looking at this right now. Um, I can't stop shaking. I didn't realize people hated me this much. I don't know what to do. And it was just like, you're focusing on the small handful of people who didn't like one video. We've done episodes of our podcast that's, that are probably duds. And that they're probably, probably that are not. <laughs> I think, I think we've done episodes of our podcast where we're the only people that listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I got, I got the numbers that prove otherwise, Jay. Okay. <laughs> I have I have I have numbers to prove otherwise. I'd like to know how did this kid become so popular if he's so disliked by so many people? This he's doing something right. Right. And again, the thing I'd like to put forth is if I used Twitter and I saw that, I would probably be asking the people, "Oh, well, look, he's doing something. What have you done?" Exactly. Like there are What have you done that that puts you in a position where you can judge the quality of this kid's work? Right. Because and you're a consumer, blah, 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 whatever. What have you done? How, how have you put yourself out there 
where you're at the point where you are such an expert, you can tell the kid that his life is not worth living. Yeah. That's just, that's, that's, I, I hate it because I'm a dad and I have two sons who are, is it okay if I called you a nerd? Would you call yourself a nerd? Um, it depends on which tone you use in it. Okay. But either way, I'll take it as a compliment. Okay. Tumble takes it as a compliment if it's coming from go. me. All right. Now, I look at this Andrew Curtis kid and I think of my son or one of my sons. Yeah. Who do things that are on the razor's edge of normal mm-hmm. or on the razor's edge of weird. And I think yeah. how awful I would feel if somebody had said something awful about my kids doing something on a social media platform. Now, on just on SoundCloud alone, I'm not looking at all the other platforms that people can listen to our podcast. Um, we have hundreds of people who have downloaded our latest episode, and apparently they enjoy it. I get dozens of people complimenting me on the work that I do and I feel great, but there's one person who says something awful about something that I did that ruins everything. And I don't know why it's not. I I can't flip the switch and say, wait a minute, hundreds of people like what I do. I should be more. I should feel good about that. One person took the time to say something mean spirited and said that she didn't like my work. Yeah, and that's see, that's the thing I don't understand, right? Now, um, if you don't like something, I understand telling someone, "Hey, hey right. I didn't like what you did." But when people are aggressive and mean spirited about it and just nasty, there's a part of me that's like, "Well, what kind of a life do you lead?" Right, exactly. Where you're talking to people you don't know in that tone of voice when you're being that aggressively nasty do you think your opinion is worth that much they must that oh we're gonna say oh i need to change what i'm doing yeah you right. know i mean adam that's a, a level of hubris and just sheer fucking arrogance that annoys the living hell out of me like, because these people are doing they're putting themselves out there like right. this, this kid is doing something he's not he's literally not doing anything different than the lonely island boys did who ended them up on saturday night live right is he gonna get on saturday night live i don't know maybe i have no fucking idea if he keeps I mean, if he keeps at it he has a chance but if he listens yeah, if to if he listens to the, if, if, he, the, if yeah go ahead no, you're right. You're right. Go ahead. If, if, if I think we're on the same page there. If, if he listens to, to the critics, if he listens to just the critics, if he listens to the handful of critics who hate him, his work and hate him instead of the literally hundreds of thousands of people who have watched his videos, he's not he's never going to be on Saturday Night Live. But if okay. He's got hundreds of thousands of followers. He doesn't need to be. There are there are weeks when Saturday Night Live gets tens of thousands of viewers. <laughs> so you know what? He doesn't need Saturday Night Live. I think them. that I now stop me if I mentioned this last week in our last because I don't want to spend too much time on. on Dude, I was on drinking song. so heavily last week. I'm not sure I'd remember. Go okay, ahead. a famous radio talk show host has his own Facebook group. And the admin of this group said, 
we really like your podcast. Would you please post links to your podcast on our group? That's awesome. And so I, awesome. so I posted the link to one of our latest episodes because they want to approve everything before it gets on. They liked it so much that they put it on their group page. And that, That's and awesome. and there were dozens of people who gave it a listen, gave it a thumbs up. But there was five or six people who said, "Why is this bullshit on this group? I didn't come to this group for this topic of of of, of bull." And it's like the thing is, is that I have approval from the admin of this group of this famous radio talk show host who who came to us and asked can we can you please post links to your podcast we really like what you do and i and, and i and i said yes they approve of what i do my wife right. my 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 wife and my kids approve of what it is that i do half my in-laws well, approve. your wife may just tolerate it hey uh. hey 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 honey <laughs> but but I, I think that I think that these people who are picking on this kid for no good reason, other than the fact that they 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 feel like they have the right to. And the thing is, like, if this kid does something awful, I I don't know what I I don't know what I would do. But the thing well, is, yeah, and that's that that's the thing, right? Is that this kid is taking a chance. He's putting himself out there. He's doing something. I guarantee you. For every one kid like him that's actually putting themselves out there, there's a, at least a dozen that are watching what he's doing going, man, I wish I had the guts to do that. I guarantee you yeah. it's, a, it's there's there's a lot of people out there that are like, man, I wish I had the guts to do that. I, I just I just couldn't put myself out there. And blah, blah, blah. I'm not as funny. I'm not as talented. I'm not whatever. They're right. filled with so much self-recriminations that – there's no way they would have the courage to do what this kid is doing. Yeah. And then you've got these assholes that are out there that are proving the doubts of those other people. Right. Because they will never approve. There never is going to be a hundred percent approval. No one is ever universally liked. I mean, Except the, maybe Robin Williams, but even then I'm, I've heard there's people who are like, eh, he's not for me. Right. But, those people are so rare that have that level of acceptance. Those people are so rare. And then you've got these, frankly, these assholes that are out there that are just like, you know, oh, I don't know, you're so stupid. And they're not giving, they're not giving constructive criticism. They're not saying things like, oh, your timing's off or you mispronounced right. that or the way you're doing that. You know, they're not doing anything where the person can look at that listen to what they're saying and say, okay, they're being a bit of an ass about it, but they may have a point here. What happens yeah. if I were to do this, that and the other thing? They're not yeah. there's nothing constructive about it whatsoever. It's just nothing but harsh, brutal criticism. And what the what the hell have these critics done? What have they done? You know, I mean it's one thing if you've got someone like Robin Williams saying, Hey, listen, kid, you know, I I'm not really a fan of what you're doing. Yeah. You know, you, you Try this, try that, try the other thing, which from what I understand is more along the lines of what Robin Williams would have done. But I don't honestly know. It's just anecdotal stories I've heard right. forthhand. But, you know, it's one thing if there's someone who is doing 
doing what you do on a much larger stage who is giving you criticism than some schmuck who hasn't taken any chances at all in their life sitting behind the safety of anonymity and not being able to see the tears running down the kid's face. You know, that's just a bully. Those are bullies. Yeah. And those are people who are probably raising bullies. Those people are the problem in our society. Those people are the reasons why we have these stupid, asinine, zero-tolerance policies that only enable bullies. But it's because they're, everyone wants to say they're doing something about bullies, but they don't like facing and confronting those bullies. And it's absolute bullshit. I think it's awful that we actually had to take the time to actually address this. Um, yeah. And it was just like, I, I honestly wish people did not have to do that to make themselves feel better. Um, yeah, no, I totally hear you. And I was totally thinking- That's why, like, you know, people like Cassie J, who, um, for people who don't know who Cassie J is, she was a feminist and she did a documentary on the men's rights movement. And she came out the other side of doing that documentary saying they've actually got some valid points. She didn't stop being a feminist. She didn't stop. She's just no longer hated the men's rights movement at the other end of it. And now it's called red pill. Right. Yeah. And she, I think that's what she called the the documentary. Anyway, she got lambasted by people that she was friends with. There were, you know, the people who, worked hard to get her funding to do this documentary turned on her when they saw the documentary. She lost contact with a lot of people she considered to be close, dear friends, but she had the courage to look at something she disagreed with. Right. And see if they had a valid point. And I wish that's something I'm trying to do in my life. And I can tell you, it's not fucking easy. No, we have our sacred cows that we want to hold on to. You know, and we want to believe that we're we're right, but truth is, is we're human. We're going to be wrong on some things. So having that courage to look at the other side with an open mind and say, do they have a point? Even if she ended up not agreeing with them, she ended up agreeing with a lot of what they said and realizing yeah. they had a point on a lot of things, but not all of them had a good point. Right. You know, and that's something that. People think she went from being a rabid feminist to being a rabid men's right activist. She did not. She absolutely did not. I've seen a number of interviews with her. But she took the time to look at the other side and look at it from their point of view and say, if I was in their shoes, I would feel – I can see why they would feel that way. Yeah. I wouldn't necessarily feel the same, but I can see why they feel that way. And that thought process is what makes the world a better place. It's not the people who blindly, you know, hold up signs and go out there and shout in people's faces. Those are not the people changing the world. Yeah. Those are not the people making the world a better place. It's the people who quietly look at the people holding those signs and say, okay, that person's an idiot, but what point are they trying to make? And does that point have any validity to it? Even if they initially agree to it, especially if right. they initially dis- disagree with it. You know what I mean? I also so think, it's, yeah. Go ahead. I also think that there's a lot of groupthink mentality going on. 
Whereas people will wait until they see which direction the wind is blowing. And then they'll bend to that direction because they don't want to feel like they're left out or they're being excluded uh, or they're on the wrong side of, of, of the well, culture. They, they don't want to be, they don't want to be the other. Sure. Right. They and don't want to be the other, per, the other, you know, the outcast. One of the things that I had mentioned, or one of the things that I have noticed is that we were followed by an avid Tulsi Gabbard supporter. And this person kept clicking like on a lot of the things that I said, even if it had nothing to do with Tulsi Gabbard. And then I posted something about how disappointed I was in Tulsi Gabbard. Tulsi Gabbard did something, and I'm not gonna. I, I don't want to get into you know what it is that yeah. Tulsi because we've we've talked it to death. Tulsi Gabbard right. did something that one thing, she did one thing that I I just like. I wish she didn't do that, and I was unfollowed by that one person who five minutes ago was clicking like on everything that I was doing. And that might be right. a bit of an exaggeration. I admit that. But still, the point stands. But the, the the thing that I thought was disturbing is that this person was an avid follower of mine until I said only one thing this person did not like. And that's probably all of the Twitterverse. You say one thing that one of your followers doesn't like, and they and it could be for any reason. They can just unfollow you. For See, any here's reason, the thing that and it's and it's, and it's, I, it's fragile. It's it's a it is. it's a well, fragile here's, mentality. Here's the thing that I dislike about Twitter, right? Look at the language that we're using in describing Twitter followers. Yeah, right. So I understand why they use that particular term, and I'm not trying to draw some existential, um, deeper meaning or ascribing some deeper level to the word following that they use. But following a lot of times on Twitter seems to be just that. If you get someone with a lot of followers who dislike something, something, then all of the people that follow them seem to dislike that too. And you've got it's a it's a very interesting groupthink study model, right? Because you've got this anonymity in it. You can make your Twitter handle anything as long as it ties to a valid email address. You can you could call yourself the king of cashmere on Twitter. Right. You know, and it, do, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You may not know shit about cashmere, but you decide to call yourself the king of cashmere, right? So mm -hmm. you have this anonymity, and that anonymity brings out the worst in people a lot. I believe last week we talked about the um, the artist who would not react regardless of what people did with her. Right. And it was like a performance art thing. It's amazing how quickly the dark side in people can come out. And it's amazing how the actions of just one person can make people realize how far into the depths they went in expressing their darker sides. It's, I mean, it's fascinating, but also horrifying. At the it same really time. is. You know, and it's, the anonymity of the internet, I think, is part of part of that. It's, it's it's what we're seeing play out in in these little. I want I want to say dramas, but that would imply that it's it's fake. You know, when when people are taking this one kid, for example, 
and lambasting him for something. You know, when they're when they're doing things like that, it's because they're not seeing the consequences of what they're saying. When you say something to someone's face, unless they're really good at hiding it, you see the pain they feel exactly. when you say it. Exactly. We tend to be more polite face to face than we do otherwise. Yeah. One of the comments that was in um, actually ironically a Batman comic book is that we kill because we've made it too easy. Yeah. Guns, you can shoot someone from a great distance now in war, and you're not seeing them cry out in pain. You're not hearing them screaming as their as their their bodily fluids are intermingling in ways nature never intended. You're not seeing the consequences of that action. So the internet is doing the same thing socially. We're not seeing, you know, these people are saying these very hurtful, harmful things. They don't think anything of it because it's just a throwaway comment for them. But they're not seeing that kid crying and, you know, bemoaning the state of the world right. because someone said something mean to them. They're not seeing the consequences of their actions. And that is something that makes it harder for us as a people, as just humanity, makes it harder for us to find the need to be more tactful or find the need to be better people because you're it's no skin off your nose. You just you just said a throwaway comment. Some guy's taking it the wrong way. Who cares? Right. But when you realize it's you know a twelve year old kid, you made cry because of your throwaway comment. You tend to be more. If it was in person, like if you went to a middle school play or a middle school talent show, and some twelve year old was on stage doing something you didn't necessarily like, you're not going to be sitting in the audience going "You suck." But that's what they did. Right. But they don't see it that way because it's the internet. They don't. No one applies that humanity to the digital bits and bytes that they see. But there are those people who have no filter who will say in a play or something like that, some kind of performance, and say, "Yeah, you suck." Uh. And what do people do when they do that? There's usually. Uh, there's usually outcry. some reaction. There's usually some exactly. reaction. Like the other people in the audience will probably take this person out into the back alley and beat them silly. Well, even if they don't go that far with it, there there will be like, shh. You yeah, know, there'll exactly. be something where they're like, what the hell's wrong with you kind of a thing. There'll be some reaction, some sort of social cue that's going to let them know, okay, what you're doing is asinine. You're doing the wrong thing. You need to stop doing yeah. the wrong thing. So and and who are you to say that that's the wrong thing? Right. Even though we won't, they won't necessarily frame it that way. But that's essentially what they're saying. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Who do you think you are? You're expecting Shakespeare out of seventeen year old, out of twelve year olds? I mean, the fuck. Yeah. Um. One of the things that I I had this sort of like two epiphanies that I thought were also important in um in the same in the same realm of thought. I think that our culture has also taken a turn or has woken up to an extent. Whereas I was at the checkout counter and I was looking at what passes for news in the, you know, the, the supermarket magazines, like yeah, the people, tabloids, the tabloids and the magazines like people, us and the, the, yeah. the fluff magazines. I remember that there was a time 
when at the checkout counter, they had different magazines. They had Time, Newsweek, U.S. News and World Report, like real news magazines, in-depth reporting magazines. And Mm -hmm. they're harder to find. And what you do see is all the fluff. Like what are the like what are the what what are the celebrities doing? What what's the what are these celebrities promoting this week? Why does People Magazine have? Let's just take Kim Kardashian as an example. Why is Kim Kardashian being celebrated and and graced on the cover of People Magazine any particular week? And it's because well, it's it's for some sort of frivolous reason. And then you look at the people who are considered essential workers, but people who are working in hospitals and factories, making medical equipment, medical supplies. These people Mm -hmm. are, quote, essential. They're literally essential. Right. The society. The government has literally drawn a line and said, these people are more important than other than the other people. Right. Um, My job working in a factory is far more important than any work that I could have done as a graphic designer somewhere advertising a conspiracy theory website as it were okay let's just put it that way i wonder if there's going to come a time when a magazine like people are going to start looking at people who are on the front lines and working in the emergency rooms or working in the hospitals working in the laboratory trying to find a cure for this disease because I think that there's a part of us that have sort of like woken up. And I, I, please, God, help me. I want this to be true. I want to believe that because of this catastrophe, this pandemic, I think people are actually going to start looking at people who are actually in, essential to our society and want to celebrate those people more. Because in all honesty, and I want to ask you an honest question. What did, what did Kim Kardashian do? that's worthy of her fame and fortune well i don't know about worthy but the reason why she's famous is because she made a film of herself having sex that's why she's famous she is famous because of a sex tape she is literally the kardashians are literally a household word or a household name because of her sex tape yep other than that, what does Kim Kardashian do? Now, I know that she's a part of this Freedom Project where she's trying to get people who were incarcerated for, for crimes they did not commit out of out of jail. That's like, that's a recent thing. Yeah, but before then, literally nothing. She has done nothing to engender the level of fandom that she's acquired other than have sex and look good. Okay. They're looking good is, you know, I mean, Uh, up to opinion. Like Heidi, Heidi Montag, I think is how you pronounce her name was Mm -hmm. on the cover of all of these magazines talking about the latest development in this reality TV show, which actually in the end turned out to be fake. What did Heidi Montag do? other than be on this fake reality TV show that's worthy of her being celebrated. Well, I, have, I have no idea, to be honest with you. I don't even know who Heidi Montag is. Meanwhile, we have people who are actually putting their lives on the line who are just ignored by the press and the media. And I wonder if this catastrophe is going to change all of that. Um, change the very status of who 
is elevated to that level of celebrity. Who is actually worthy of celebrity status? Well, I'd like to think that's going to change, but I honestly don't think it will simply because we like our distractions. We as, as a group of people like our distractions. Um, unless you've got, there's a front, you know, like an EMS worker or a doctor or a nurse who is particularly pleasing to the eye and has a personality, a pleasing personality that comes across in an interview, they're unlikely to become any form of celebrity whatsoever simply because that's kind of not how it works. Good, bad, or indifferent, it's just not how it works. But there has been... Um, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. There has been a lot of talk about what is essential. What is an, an essential employee? What yeah, is, but celebrity is not essential. Right. There's a lot of, There's been a lot of talk about who actually is essential in our society. And that we look at the people who we celebrate who are really shallow and superficial. And I'd like well, to I'd like yeah, to I'd like to believe that we are going to come to a point where we're looking at our society and saying I think that we need to reprioritize how we spend our time glorifying people who really just don't deserve it. Um all right, so you you take a look at the average like Hollywood celebrity, right? This is a person who gets paid millions and millions of dollars for playing make-believe. Right. Literally, children's games. Right? And granted, a lot of them, it's because they're really good at it. A lot of them, it's because, you know, it's it's an escape, a form of escape for us, you know, the plebes in the world. But then you add on top of that that they also get a lot of free things. They're making millions of dollars playing make-believe. They'll work, hardworking celebrities will work about six or eight months out of a year. And they're making more money than, like, all right, so my girlfriend is a nurse. She works 12-hour days, and she works, on average, about six days a week, five or six days a week, 12-hour days. Is she making good money? Well, yeah. But it's a numbers game because she's it's accumulative. She's making the money she's making because she's putting in the fucking hours. And that's the way it is for a lot of people. If they're making good money, they're putting in the hours. And we have these celebrities that are out there, and they are not putting in the hours. Yeah, okay, so they during that three-month shoot, they were working 14-hour days. Great, congratulations. And then they have the next nine months off. And they're making millions of dollars. People are sending them their product, hoping they're going to be seen wearing their product because that way they're when they get pictures taken by the paparazzi, people are like, oh, what are they wearing? What, you know, what are they using? Look, she drives a BMW. I want a BMW because I want to be like them. You know what I mean? It's utterly ridiculous. It really is. If we were to make celebrities out of doctors and nurses we would be, you know, the paparazzi would be following them around, taking pictures of them, getting into their cars. And more often than not, the look on their face would be like, get the fuck out of my face. Right. I'm exhausted. Go away. The last thing I want to do, you know, like, especially like a nurse who's working like post-surgical and some guy sneezes and rips his stitches. And now his intestines have fallen out 
of his body and they spent the last three hours trying to get their intestines back in their body and assisting the doctor as they restitch them up. The last thing a person in that condition wants is someone sticking a camera in their face. Right. Of course. Of course. You know, but who's more essential? Who's more important? Clearly, it's not the person who just looks pretty. Yeah. It's the person who's actually doing the work and working hard. You know, and there's a lot of people who work hard. I'm not saying that the medical profession or emergency responders are the only people working hard. People who are building like, you know, televisions are working hard in factories and people who build automobiles. There's a lot of people out there who are working hard and they're not getting the level of celebrity that maybe they might be a little more important in society, but they're just not going to get ever get that level of celebration that perhaps they should or really do deserve. I think that what sort of struck me was just the absolute absurdity of everything. When I was, you know, working my other job and I was sort of standing around and I was looking at everybody who was really intently busy on taking all of these medical products getting them ready to be shipped off. And the thought had occurred to me that we do have an absurd society and that, oh, yeah. you know, and one of the things I, I, you know, I was actually thinking about calling this, you know, this episode dreams of when we were frivolous, where we all had these aspirations of like, I'd like to be able to become incredibly rich and famous doing something that I'm really good at. But the thing is, is that does it really add value to society? And I'm not saying artists don't add value to society. I'm not saying that at all. Well, see, all right. So that kind of is breaching a different topic, right? Because if we don't have the arts, we don't have what science considers an elevated society. When was the last time we have, I mean, you hear people talking about like the massive engineering pro projects of the past, right? Like the Colossus of Rhodes or the Hanging Towers of Babylon. When was the last time we in the United States put money towards something that was merely a statement of beauty and not function? I don't know. We have these engineering marvels like the Niagara Falls. Have you been to Niagara Falls? I have. It's amazing. It is. It's an amazing feat of engineering. Have you been to the Hoover Dam? I'm trying to think. I must have driven by it once or twice. Yeah. I, I've driven past it several times, and I keep saying, I need to go take the tour. I, I got to go take the dam tour. And these are amazing feats of engineering. Absolutely amazing. And place like Niagara Falls, I think anything with water is beautiful, but right. you know, I'm a little weird that way. Um, so I mean, you were in the Coast Guard for crying out loud. Uh, it, that is true. That is true. And by definition, having been in the Coast Guard, I'm a little not altogether there. So I appreciate water. Niagara Falls to me is a, beautiful, just a beautiful thing. And they have a water what do they call it? A water, water turbine plant underneath Niagara Falls or at the top before the falls themselves that generates electricity for that area, which is absolutely amazing. I mean, we didn't build Niagara Falls, but it's freaking gorgeous. 
the amazing technology to me is they had to stop that water to build those turbines yeah. and get them in place and then let the water flow again. So, I mean, there's some amazing things that we're capable of, but we've never built a Colossus of Rhodes. We've never built a um, hanging tower, hanging gardens. We've never built a Sphinx, for example. In thousands of years, thousands of years from now, if we're lucky, the Hoover Dam will still be there. The gas turbines underneath Niagara Falls will have rusted and rotted away. The skyscrapers of New York will have rusted and rotted away. At most, the streets will be left. In five or 10,000 years, what is going to be standing to tell future generations who we were and what we did? I can't think of a single thing that's going to last longer than a couple of hundred years. There's nothing that we're building today that is going to be a lasting monument to who we were, with the exception of maybe some granite statues. But there are no, there are and no great then, structures. Those are, most of those are most of those are from our past. Yes, not from our contemporary society. You know, and and I wonder sometimes, like you and I deal with our our fans of looking at. A lot of these like ancient civilization things, right? Of course. Mankind has been on the world, on this earth for hundreds of thousands of years, over 100,000 years, right? It's like 120,000 years or something like that, that Homo sapiens has walked the earth. And all we ever see are these old primitive statues, these cave paintings, some of which are actually really impressive in terms of artwork. Some of them are really, really impressive. And we're like, oh, it took us thousands of years to reach this stage of society and, you know, and makes us everything we look at in regards to our past makes us feel better about ourselves and our present. What are we doing in our present that's going to make future generations feel proud of their past and our part that played in it? I can't think of a single thing that's going to last through the ages. Um, right. I mean, Casablanca is a great movie, but in 150 years, no one's going to know anything about it. Well, that's depressing. Let's move on to a different topic. <laughs> <laughs> because the thing I do, I, do I, I, I am concerned. And this is part of the conversation that I keep having with myself and with the important people in my life. There are things that I need to do to feel like I am actually doing something worthwhile. It's something that's contributing to society and making my life worth living. I need to do more of that. It's not enough that I go and I punch a clock and I, I, well, and I just go through the, pod. yeah. And I just go through the motions of, of just a factory worker 42 hours out of the week. I need something more than that. I need something more than this. And it was just like, you know, spending time with my wife and kids and doing the podcast are the most important aspects of my life right now. To the extent that it's like, I'm still looking at new equipment. I'm still looking at new ways of editing. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at all these things that it's like, and I, uh, that I'm doing to make my life ha have more meaning. And then to get back to what we had said earlier, there are people who contribute nothing to society. And they think that they have a voice because they're allowed to criticize people and they're allowed to say horrible things about people 
who are actually trying to do something worthwhile. What's the point of it all sometimes is the question that I ask myself. What's the point in working so hard knowing that one person can just take you down a couple of pegs because what? Because they're angry, bitter, or jealous or because they just genuinely hate what you do or a little bit of both. And I think right. that the, the entire coronavirus um, uh, quarantine, stay-at-home orders and social distancing and all like that is given us the opportunity to actually stop and think about what, what are we doing? What's the, what's the purpose and what's the meaning of life? What are we doing that's, quote, essential? Yeah. What, what does the word essential mean to you as a person? What does the word essential actually mean? And what makes somebody essential? Well, it's like the old the old question, right? If your house was burning down and you knew your family was safe and your kids were safe, you had time to grab one thing in your house, what would you grab? Because that's how you know what's essential to you. But I'm the kind of idiot that would want to put the fire out, <laughs> you know? Well, no, I'm assuming you couldn't put the fire out. Your house is just fucking ablaze. The only thing you're going to do is just waste time and effort trying to put the damn thing. Right. You do have time to grab one thing. Your wife, your kids, they've run out the door. You have time to grab one thing. The house is burning down around you. It's like, you know, in one of those action movies where you've got, you know, beams falling from places you didn't even have beams before. <laughs> and they're all on fire. And, you know, the explosives you never bought are getting ready to blow up in the corner. So... What are you going to grab? What are you, what is the most important thing that you can grab and run out the door with, assuming that your family's safe? Because that's how you know what's essential to you, you know. And it's it's funny because like I got into prepping for a while. Hey, don't judge out there. Yep. And to me, that was part of all of that. Was like, okay, what do you need to survive? Right. Because the idea behind like a bug out bag is something happens. There's this massive catastrophe. You need everything that fits in a small bag that you can literally grab and go that has everything you need for you to survive the next 24 to 48 hours. What's included in that? Yeah, that, that is an excellent question. I'm not bringing an iPod. I'm not bringing an iPad. I'm not bringing a laptop. In that particular scenario, how is that going to help me survive the next 24 hours? You know, I may be regretting that decision like two or three weeks later, but, you know, if you need to survive the next 24 hours, what do you got? That's the philosophy, if you will, behind a go bag. Okay. And the truth of the matter is, if society were to fall apart and I didn't have a grocery store, I'm going to lose a lot of weight. I haven't had to skin anything. I haven't had to go hunting for years, there are people I know who would be perfectly fine. In fact, they may not even notice that society fell apart because of the way they live their lives, right? But what is essential in your life? And when it comes to like the people in your life that are essential, do they know that? Do they know how important they are to you? I try to make sure that the people who are special to me in my life never have any doubt that they're special to me. You know, I try and stay in contact with the people who mean a lot to me. That's one of the reasons why I'm still on Facebook. Um, 
because that's the only way I can communicate with right. a lot of those people. Right. You know, as much as I hate Jeff Zuckerberg, but you know, when we're facing things like this coronavirus thing, one of the things about it that has really hit aside of the fact that not looking at any of the conspiracy theories or anything, if this was an actually dangerous virus to the entire world that spread as fast as it did, except it didn't affect just the elderly and the people who already have immune problems. If this was something that if you caught it, you were dead within a week. Yeah. What would our response be? Who would you want to be near? Who would you want to have with you? Now, I know for you, that's going to be, you know, your wife and kids. I'm, I'm here already. Exactly. You know, but that's something that I think a lot of us really, really need to take a look at. Congratulations on surviving another episode of the Federal Chronicles radio show with hosts Jason Cousineau and Eric Render King Fisk. Find out more about the Fedora Chronicles by visiting our website, thefedorachronicles.com. That's where you can find our past shows, show notes, and recent articles. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram by simply searching for us on those platforms. Don't forget to join our group on Facebook after you found it so that you can keep up with what we will be talking about in the next episode. Facebook, Twitter, and our email address, fedorachronicle at google.com are great ways to drop us a line with comments and show topic suggestions. We might even read your comment on the air. Support the show by contributing to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Chronicles. For a mere dollar a month, you get early access to the podcast, updates on what we're doing, and for $5 a month, you get all that and a t-shirt or coffee mug. Terms and conditions apply. And thank you to all of our listeners who are already contributing. You can also support the show and show off your incredible, impeccable taste by buying our merch at Zazzle.com slash Fedora Chronicles. 12.5% of every sale goes directly into keeping this podcast and all the others on the Fedora Chronicles network on the air. That's Zazzle.com slash Fedora Chronicles. The theme song for this show is Royal Flush by Olive Musique. The Fedora Chronicles radio show is edited and produced by Eric Render King Fisk. Copyright The Fedora Chronicles 2019-2020. All rights reserved. On behalf of Jason Cousineau, this is Eric Render King Fisk signing off and reminding you to keep your chin up and your fedora on. 